Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we continue our reflections into sacred scripture, into the gospel text that we will hear on Sunday. And this Sunday is what? Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of uh, the liturgical season, which always has us thinking about the person of Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Huh? And so what we are made to then do is really reflect into the larger theme of just not who Jesus is as King, but what he has come to establish in the kingdom of God. And uh, that will be certainly the focus of our programming tonight. I am flying solo. If you have any uh, questions, thoughts, comments, observations, please do not hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com, or you can send me your question, your your comment, observation to me by way of my website, huh? Just go to joeholcraft.org and hit the contact link button there and send your message on its way. Okay, so uh, Christ the King Sunday. Uh, Christ the King Sunday has us going back to the Gospel of John. We've been out of the Gospel of John for quite some time now, right? Because we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. But uh, we are going back to the Gospel of John, John chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles out there, John chapter 18, verses 33 to 37. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the Jews, but my kingship is not from the world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? Amen. Okay. Before we jump into this theme of kingdom, I want to go back into this text and consider the nature of this dialogue. I was reading this over and over again, and it really struck me this time, maybe more than it ever has on this level, the very specific kind of exchange that our Lord and Pilate have. I mean, pay close attention. Pilate asks him a question, are you the king of the Jews? Now, Jesus responds as he does hundreds, literally hundreds of other times with what? A question. Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Now, remember, why would Jesus do this? Well, he is Rabboni. He is master teacher. And like any rabbi, he will respond to a question with a question so that the one who is asking the first question might take ownership of what they are actually saying. Listen closely here to what Pilate says in response to that question. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? So he responds to his question, that is Christ's question, with his own question. Another kind of question, if you will. 
Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. And then, and then he asks a third question. What have you done? So really that third question is what is underneath the first question. What have you done? What was the first question? Are you the king of the Jews? What was the second question? Am I a Jew? What was the third question? The question that Jesus was really after, what have you done? And then how does Jesus respond? With an answer to his very specific question? Not necessarily. (laughs) Pay close attention. Jesus answered, my kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the Jews, but my kingship is not from the world. Basically, he's saying, I haven't done anything. (laughs) Okay? And then Pilate said to him, and this is what's most fascinating about this whole exchange. So you are a king with a question mark. Our Lord responds, how? You say that I am a king. Now, wait, stop there. Pilate asked him a question. So you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. You see what happened there? Jesus got him to stop asking the questions and to just get to the heart of it. And it went from, what have you done to, so you are a king. You can read a question and it can have multiple meanings based upon inflection, tone, so on and so forth. We ought to read this question as, so you are a king, like you're a king, right? (laughs) Jesus responds, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then here we go again. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Have you ever been in a conversation where there's lots of dancing around the point because we're saying things that are not really specific or we're asking questions because we're too afraid to ask the most important question, right? Jesus teaches us as faithful Christians and Catholics how we should approach our dialogues. Get to the heart of what is in your heart. Enough with these pseudo-dialogues, huh? Let us just get to the truth of it and have the conversation. Okay, so I just found that fascinating um, when I first read that, um, especially in light of uh, what Jesus was doing with Pilate. Now, all that being said, as it relates to his response to Pilate, that verse, my kingship, when Jesus is talking about his kingship, He does not deny his royal mission, but what does he do? He disassociates it from the political form of government that concerns Pilate, you see. So he thus turns the focus towards earth, no, heaven, where he will be crowned not with gold, but with glory and honor, and where homage is paid not in taxes, but in worship and allegiance to the truth. Brothers and sisters, the coronation of Jesus begins with his passion and culminates with his ascension, from which time his dominion extends over the earth through the preaching and sacramental ministry of the church, that church which we call what but the kingdom of God. Now, that phrase, the kingdom of God, is very important to all Christians. It's uh, most fascinating. I have been in recent conversations with uh, other denominations and I have asked them the question, what is the most important aspect of your faith? And uh, over the last, I would say, four conversations, all the answers have been the same, the kingdom of God. 
And so <laughs> true to what I was just talking about, I typically ask that question with another question, how do you find kingdom of God? Well, let me tell you how the Catholic Church defines the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God ought to be broken up into three categories, and some of this reflection, by the way, will be drawn from Benedict XVI's work, Jesus of Nazareth, both volume one and volume three. Um, anyhow, so the kingdom of God, three categories, what do we mean? Well, there's three levels we can say, the first of which is the person of Jesus Christ himself. That is to say, Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God incarnate. Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God incarnate, you see? So it is Christological, Christ-centered. If you are Christ-centered, whatever you do and wherever you go, you will bring the kingdom of God with you, which also then brings us to the second dimension, the second category, if you will, and that is how the kingdom of God is mystical or interior, how man's interior life, we can say, is the essence of the kingdom of God, how the heart is the essence of the kingdom of God. Origen, uh, the church father, has a beautiful insight on this, and I want to read this to you. Origen is a uh, one of those church fathers who is uh, quite well known for his biblical theology. Well, in this case, he writes a treatise on prayer, and this is what he has to say. Those who pray for the coming of the kingdom of God pray without any doubt for the kingdom of God that they contain in themselves, and they pray that this kingdom might bear fruit and attain its fullness. For in every holy man it is God who reigns. So if we want God to reign in us, that is to say, his kingdom to be in us, then sin must not be allowed in any way to reign in our mortal body. We must let God stroll at leisure in us as in a spiritual paradise and rule in us alone with his Christ. So here the basic idea is clear, huh? That the kingdom of God is not to be found on any map per se. It is located in man's inner being. It grows and radiates outward from that inner space. You see, how many times have you heard it said, let the kingdom of God reign in your hearts? This is what Origen calls the mystical dimension, or what Benedict XVI calls the mystical dimension. So the first dimension, the first category is Christological, Christ-centered. Christ is the kingdom of God incarnate. The second is mystical. It is about the interior life. It is about God reigning in our hearts. And I love that truth, that the kingdom of God grows and radiates outward from that inner space, from that space where God dwells in your heart. I mean, how many times have we heard it said, there is so much darkness out there? Well, my dear friends, be the light, huh? Because the darker it gets, the brighter our light shines. Or maybe you have heard it said, well, all hell is breaking loose out there. Well, if all hell is breaking loose out there, then let heaven break loose within you. You see, what are we talking about here? We are talking about a living, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we not? Is this not what we are talking about? Let us remember what the word peace means, right? Covenant harmony with God to be in union with God. He in me, I in him. 
This is what peace is about. This is what covenant life is about. Not this is yours and this is mine, but I am yours and you are mine. This is what the interior life is all about. It is the calm and the storm, my friends. What does Jesus say in Mark 4, 39? He looks into the eye of the storm and he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. He said that to the tempest winds, the fierce winds, the chaotic winds in our own life. We need to look into the eye of the storm. We need to look into the eye of chaos. We need to look into the eye of disorder and say, peace, be still. And we can if Christ the King reigns in our hearts, right? How important is this second dimension, this second category, the mystical, the interior? Well, my dear friends, it's everything. And it, it comes on the tale of what? That Christ is first. That the kingdom of God is Christological. And how about this uh, third dimension? Well, the third dimension and third interpretation of the kingdom of God is what we would properly call ecclesiastical, okay? That the kingdom of God and the church are related in different ways and brought into more or less close proximity in and through the sacramental life of the church, in and through the deposit of faith, in and through sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium. You see, it all comes together. So it's ecclesiastical. So you have Christological, you have mystical, and you have what is ecclesiastical or what is uh, church-related, right? And there is something else as we talk about this ecclesiastical dimension, um, and this is brought out by Benedict XVI when he says this, and I love this. There is another important linguistic observation. The underlying Hebrew word for kingdom, alkut, is an action word and means, as does the Greek word for kingdom, the regal function, the act of lordship of the king. So what is meant is not an imminent or yet-to-be-established kingdom, per se, but God's actual sovereignty over the world, which is becoming an event in a historic and new way. I love that. So when you translate the Hebrew word for kingdom and the Greek word for kingdom, what is meant, again, is not an eminent or yet-to-be-established kingdom, but God's actual sovereignty over the world, which is becoming an event in history in a new way. As Benedict continues, we can put it even more simply. When Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God, he is quite simply proclaiming God and proclaiming him to be the living God who is able to act concretely in the world and in history, and is even now so acting. He is telling us simply, God exists, and God is really God, which means that he holds in his hands the threads of the world. In this sense, Benedict closes, Jesus' message is very simple and thoroughly God-centered. The new and totally specific thing about his message is that he is telling us, God is acting now, this is the hour when God is showing himself in history as its Lord, as the living God, in a way that goes beyond anything seen before. Thus, kingdom of God is an inadequate translation. It would be better to speak of God's being Lord of his lordship. I love that. I absolutely love that. Which, my friends, 
brings us to, well, what we can call a fourth category. This isn't something you find in Origen or Benedict for that matter, but it is something in the life of the church. And that fourth category is how we bring the kingdom of God to other people, right? How we bring that act of lordship to other people. If you were listening to me uh, a couple days ago, we were talking about uh, Pope Francis and his call for us to see the social dimension of evangelization. Why? Well, because the gospel itself is of the poor, for the poor, and we have to bring this gospel to the poor that they might experience what Benedict was talking about, a new life, a new life in which God is reigning in a new heart. My dear friends, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are called to bring Christ to others, seeing others as just not other, but very specifically as a brother or sister in Christ, you see. So when we talk about the kingdom of God here on earth, we are talking about a multi-layered thing, but when you begin to unpack it, it does begin to make sense that first and foremost, it is about the person of Jesus Christ and how he reveals the inner life of God and how we are called to share in that inner life and how we share in that inner life, not only in and through prayer, but also the sacramental ecclesial dimension of the church, huh? Obedient to the deposit of faith, obedient to the revelation of the Word of God, sacred edition, and the magisterium through the ages. And certainly, we are called to do what? Proclaim the kingdom of God. Proclaim the transforming message of Jesus Christ. This is our first task as it relates to evangelization. Repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand, right? Repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the person of Jesus Christ who aches, who desires to be in union with you, calls you to open your heart so that indeed you might share in this wonder, this beauty, and this joy. This is our proclamation. Is it easy? No. Because the revelation of the Word of God, the gospel of God, is not an easy thing. But what we find is that in the struggle, there is great joy. We are willing to struggle, are we not, if we know in the end something special awaits us? I don't know about uh, any of you out there. If you are a rock climber, not that I'm a rock climber, but I don't mind climbing rocks, you will struggle. You will go through all of the pain and the toil. Why? Because you know what awaits you at the top. A new air, a new breath, a new vision. Something to behold, you see. Christ the King Sunday is the end of the liturgical season. Why? Because we are made to see if we embrace Christ the King and His kingdom, what awaits us is something new and beautiful to behold. My dear friends, who doesn't want to share in that? What is that great passage that comes to us from 1 Corinthians 2, 9? I think I quoted it last week. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived. What awaits those who love and serve the Lord? Man, I don't know about you, but I can conceive of a lot of great and beautiful things. I can imagine a lot of wonderful things, and yet... What Scripture reminds us of, what Paul reminds us of, very specifically, 
is that as much as you might be able to conceive or imagine or wonder about doesn't even come close to what awaits you. My dear friends, that is worth waiting for, the kingdom of God in heaven. And how do we do that? Most perfectly, live the kingdom of God here on earth. Amen to that. Okay, now, as it relates to truth, we're going to turn our attention back to Benedict Sixteenth because we have another uh, beautiful and rich insight from um, our current Pope Emeritus, right, Benedict XVI. And this comes to us from his last volume in his reflection to Pilate's question, what is truth? So he spends a number of pages reflecting into this great question of what is truth. And so I'm going to pick his reflection up as he's reflecting into the truth of man and listen to the beauty of his words. Indeed, in the magnificent mathematics of creation, which today we can read in the human genetic code, we recognize the language of God. And he's actually reflecting upon Francis Collins' work, The Language of God. I found that striking that he, he would uh, quote Francis Collins. So he goes on, but unfortunately, not the whole language that is the language of God. The functional truth about man has been discovered, but the truth about man himself, who he is, where he comes from, what he should do, what is right, what is wrong, this unfortunately cannot be read in the same way. Hand in hand with growing knowledge of functional truth, there seems to be an increasing blindness towards truth itself, toward the question of our real identity and purpose. He continues, truth becomes recognizable when God becomes recognizable. He becomes recognizable in Jesus Christ. In Christ, God entered the world and set up the criterion of truth in the midst of history. Truth is outwardly powerless in the world, just as Christ is powerless by the world's standards. He has no legions. He is crucified. Yet, in his very powerlessness, he is powerful. Only thus, again and again, does truth become power. Wow! What is he saying there? Well, does this not bring us back to the first beatitude? Does not the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the what kingdom of God, launch the whole Sermon on the Mount, the whole message of the gospel, huh? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are poor in God. Blessed are those who long for God the same way our lungs long for air. What does the Baptist say specifically? John 3.30, he must increase as I decrease. You see, what does Benedict want us to see there? The less concerned we are with ourselves and the more we concern ourselves with Christ's power reigning in our hearts, we will attain the kingdom of God here on earth and we will come to know the beauty of truth and again, going back to Benedict XVI, as it relates to who we are called to be, just not in what we do in our function, but who we are as a person. We can never reinforce that salient point enough as it relates to human doing versus human being. Huh? 
And that point is very simple. What we do will only be what it needs to be in light of who we are as a human being, as a human person, as a son or daughter of God, right? Today, there is so much emphasis on the functionality of what we accomplish as opposed to this call we have to be humble, salt of the earth. Amen to that. Okay, you know, my dear friends, I'm looking up at the clock and we are running out of time. But before we go, before I depart this evening, I really want to offer up a challenge to my brothers who call themselves fathers. You know, it is way overdue for us to start reclaiming Christ the King in our own hearts, reclaiming Christ the King in our own homes, reclaiming Christ the King in our vocations, in what we do, in light of who we are. There is so much gunk out there that wishes to pervade our hearts. But my dear brothers, please go before Christ the King and allow His purity to invade your soul. Be men of God. Be men that belong to Christ the King and allow Christ the King to renew you each and every day. Adorn yourself with his kingly garment, as Colossians 3.10 reminds us. My dear brothers, to call ourselves Father is an extraordinary vocation. To have someone call us Dad is an extraordinary vocation. Let it not slip away from our fingertips. Let us not be concerned about all the things we need, but put our vocation in who we are as husbands and fathers and whatever you do to make a living, to earn a living, put it in the hands of God. Put it in the hands of Christ the King. Do not allow this secular culture, this culture of death to sanitize, sanitize what we do and who we are. There is something good, true, and beautiful about what it means to be a man of God, and most especially a man who is a father. We are to set the example, and we can do no one greater thing than to be at the service of our wives and our children, but a service that is rooted in the kingship of Christ, a service that is rooted in that confident assurance of what is yet to come, knowing that everything we do as yes men of God as yes husbands, and as yes fathers, is only going to be what it needs to be if we allow Christ the King to reign in our hearts. Amen. Let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.